Hi, everybody. Happy 2023. I'm Bill Whittle here with my friend Alfonso Rachel, and this is the Virtue Signal kicking off for a brand new year. Hooray! And uh, just getting a little bit over the flu that I had over Christmas, so if I have a little cough every now and then, perhaps you'll, uh, maybe I'll just edit it out in post. Uh, <laughs> hey, Zo. Um, so, you know, uh, back when I was a boy, well, we used to, you know, we used to, we didn't have writing or anything. We used to make impressions on clay tablets with sharp <laughs> sticks. Uh, there was a, a magazine, a number of magazines, but the one that really counts is a magazine called Boy's Life. And uh, in the back were all these crazy ads, right? Just everything. Polaris nuclear submarine made out of cardboard and sea monkeys and all this other stuff. And looking back on what I wanted to talk about today, I realized that back in those days, one of the things that was kind of a common theme in the back of these ads designed for, you know, suckers was uh, <laughs> mind control things. There were x-ray specs that allowed you to see through walls. That wasn't really mind control thing, but it had that kind mm -hmm. of, you know, that kind of look. And then there was all kinds of things with ESP and hypnotism and, and all this other stuff. And, I, and looking back on it, I realized uh, it was designed really to appeal to the target audience, which was, you know, uh, teenage nerds who needed a little extra help in the dating scene, you know, <laughs> you know. So yeah, that, would, that would be me. Um, so also around this time, there were also guys who called themselves ESP experts, mind control experts. There was the amazing Kreskin. This whole thing about, about mental communication telepathy and especially mind control was, uh, was a big topic then. And lately, I have been starting a, a deep dive into something called um, um, mass psychosis event, where entire societies go completely nuts. Uh, Germany in the 1930s is a good example, but there are many of them. And one of the things that these mass psychosis events seem to have in common is a number of things that may sound familiar to our viewers at home here. The first thing is that in order to successfully pull one of these things off, you have to have a population that's frightened. People have to be afraid. If they're not afraid, then their critical instincts, you know, their, 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 um, their critical facilities are still in place. But when people get scared, they tend to, obviously, the fact that they're scared means they're retreating into a more emotional state, and that emotional state is easier to manipulate. The second thing that needs to happen is you almost always need to have a, a, a designated target, an enemy, and the enemy is presented as somebody who's going to either destroy you or enslave you if, if he hasn't stopped right away. And, and most of all is a sense of, of unreality, a sense of disbelief, where everybody in the society knows that something is really wrong. In fact, something's upside down. But because everybody's a part of it, no one is able to really do anything about it, which leads to the probably the single most important aspect of people who want to generate one of these mass uh, psychosis events is, and that is isolation. Um, they found that, well, for instance, the, the, the first uh, conditioning experiments ever done by Pavlov and his dog, you know, he, he, he basically would ring a, di a dinner bell and then he'd feed the dog. And when the dog heard the dinner bell, he would know that the food is coming. So he'd start to salivate. And then he just rang the bell without putting the food down. The dog salivated, conditioned response, right? But he could only do that by, by getting the dog. You don't have a dog out in the backyard, right? You got to get that dog in a, in a you look that dog in the eye, just constantly on this thing. Lion tamers and other animal trainers do that all the time. They, they just keep this creature in isolation. They pretty much control the access and they just keep pushing the button until they get the response they want and then they give the person a reward. So all of this is sounding kind of familiar to me these days. And, um, and 
right now, starting off 2023, I'm really interested in, first of all, identifying this. But what I'm most interested in, Enzo, is preparing a kind of psychological self-defense, like almost like a psychological martial art mm. for a way to for a way to recognize a threat, decide whether or not you can run from the threat, and if you cannot run from the threat, how to fight back effectively without getting yourself, you know, punctured. Man, uh, well, I guess there's that, uh, that, that, that practice of uh, situational awareness, you know, or, or levels of awareness that you have to be on. You don't want to always be on high alert. You want to be able to uh, have a, a, a sense of confidence as you go for, uh, through your life because, I mean, if you're constantly distracted or always concerned about like some sort of threat, uh, then you're living for the fear. You're not just living and that's going to distract you. That's going to cause more problems. So you want to be able to be focused. Um, man. Well, let's let, let's break it down into phases. Sorry to cut you off. Sure. But the, but the first thing it seems to me in any kind of a self-defense class is identifying a threat, right? Mm. That's the first thing. Situational awareness we talk about, just being aware of what's going on. But it's pointless to go any further unless you encounter something you, you seem to be a threat. So detecting the threat is the first part of this. And the reason I, I, I wanted to cut you off there just for a second was when we talk about these psychological manipulation, being able to detect that you're being manipulated is the first part of the, right. of the process. We saw, we did a show on uh, Avatar just a couple of episodes ago. And, um, and Natasha and I went to see Avatar. And about, I don't know, eight, 10 minutes into the movie, I said, I'm, I'm rooting for the humans on this one. She said, what? I said, yeah. And afterwards, we talked about it. You know, the guy says Semper Fi, he's a Marine. All of the humans are capitalists. They're militarists. They're Americans. All of this. And we're being set up to hate ourselves even more. Avatar, originally in 2009, went a long way to getting Westerners in general, and Americans in particular, to hate themselves. Mm -hmm. And and so, because I, 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 it's such a vague topic, I thought maybe we could just kind of break it down into steps. What would a psychological self-defense program against mind control look like in terms of, first of all, in terms of identifying that there is a threat that is acting on you? Yeah, that's, that's the key thing is, is actually being able to identify the threat. Because right now we have this identification of a threat totally backwards. I mean, I'd like hmm. to think that I'm not among those who has the threat you know, uh, uh, the present threat backwards. But I'm looking at a lot of these people, particularly those who call of, of the so-called woke persuasion, um, mm -hmm. what they see as a threat. And I'm like, no, you really the biggest threat to you guys is yourselves. Um, yeah, that's right. We're saving to, we're fighting, we're fighting them to save them from the consequences of their beliefs. Right. And, and, and you know, there's a saying, man, uh, and we noticed that a lot of these people out there are very, very easily offended. Right. Everything yep. offends them. And the saying goes, every, uh, the, the most um, the most easily offended are the most easily manipulated. And you got these people, man, they, it's like they'll believe anything except the truth. Right. And the, and the truth is the most offensive thing to them. And you can manipulate. I mean, a lie in itself is a manipulation. You know, it's you take something and you twist it, and you contort it to be able to give them something that is basically not true. And I mean, just the very nature of it is a, is a twist. And these people in that faction are able to be as easily manipulated as the lie itself. Or as the saying goes, um, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they're being fooled. That's right. And this is where we are. And the ones who are doing all this manipulation, they're the ones running everything. 
Um, mm -hmm. and, and we're trying to tell them these people who are, are influencing you from the classroom, you know, from the elementary school classroom to the institutions of higher learning, uh, to, the, uh, to the offices, uh, to entertainment, these are the people who are manipulating you. They pander to you, they patronize you, they manipulate you, and they look for a target to give you somebody to hate, and it's easy. And um, yes, this, this kind of thing, it's not new. It's always been going on. It's just in these days, there's just more effective and accessible ways to do it. Well, um, it's interesting you say that because uh, th that, that business about it being easier to fool somebody than it is to convince them that they're being fooled, that resistance to the truth becomes stronger and stronger and stronger the longer they believe the lie. Mm -hmm. That's another powerful psychological um, uh, motivator. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. Mm -hmm. And basically, in emotional terms, what the progressives would say is, I'm not going to listen to conservatives because they might say something that actually makes sense and that I cannot that I cannot deny. But here's where sunk cost fallacy comes in. I have so much of my identity, so much of my life, so much of my activities, my history, my past, all of that on this position that if I were to give up this position, not only would I lose my identity, but all the good works that I've done in the past few years, you know, would just kind of vaporize. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. Typical a great example of this is a compulsive gambler, right? He's ten thousand dollars in the hole. Mm -hmm. And so he says, I can't walk away from the table now. I'm down $10,000, right? I got I to gotta keep going. But this is a classic case of throwing good money after bad. Sure. You're going to lose anyway. Might as well cut your losses. So, so there is certainly, and the people that you're trying to alert to the threat, there is a, a definite um, reluctance to hear it. But what do we do about people like you and me and, and, and our audience um, who are well aware that something fishy is going on in, in terms of phase one, identifying the threat, what could you recommend maybe for people uh, on the team to be aware of? Well, I mean, before, it's, it, like you, you mentioned martial arts. And before, and if a person is going to get into martial arts, you have to have, you have to have a foundation. Anything that you study, you have to have a fundamental, right? You have to have a found, foundation to operate from. I mean, even if you're going to uh, fire a cannon, a cannon really needs to have a fixed thing to operate from if it's going to, you know, yeah, right. if it's going to, uh, um, if it's going to be shot. So, yeah, right. you know, where, if you're going to throw a punch, you have to have a fixed foundation to do that. If you're going to throw a kick, you're going to have to have a fixed foundation to do that. It's a great point. Man. So, you know, when we, when we're doing this, I have to, you know, appeal to folks and say, what is your foundation? What is your fixed foundation to even begin to, um, have your counteroffensive to be able to have a strategy to be able to promote our values and defense and, and defend yourself from um, these people's lack of values. Um, like one of the things that I'm looking at, you know, uh, uh, as it comes to mind is you were, you were mentioning how these people are, are taught to, um, to hate themselves. They're, 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 they're taught to hate humanity. Uh, mm -hmm. Love the world more. That's right. Uh, th in itself, than, than humanity. Well, there's a response to that, you know, in the Word of God itself. This is the thing I'm off offering to folks. Like, you need a foundation. You have to have a filter. And don't get me wrong, folks. There's a lot of literature out there. There's a lot of people giving good perspectives and stuff like that. I'd like to think here on the Virtue Signal, we offer decent perspective on these things. But no matter what perspective you want to prescribe to 
anybody that you listen to, creative literature to, to non-fictional or whatever, you really, I highly recommend that you still have a basis of what you filter all those things through. To, so you mm -hmm. can discern truth, so you can discern what's a practical idea, to, to what you can d discern is, is historically accurate and how things square up. You have to have a foundation and a filter to be able to process, process those things through. Um, it reminds me of a, of a meme that somebody put out, and he's like 21 books that every man should read, right? I think it's 21 or something like that. And out of those 21 books, not one of them was the Bible. Every one of those books written by another fallible human being. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why? It's like, and like I said, not that I'm trying to push Christianity down people's throat or Bibles down push other people's throat, but a lot of things are being pushed on us. And we're wondering why we don't have the faculties to fight back because you don't have a proper stance to be That's able to throw a punch. You don't, you don't have, have a stance. Exactly. You have right. to have a foundation. So in this culture, you got people you know, are, are being conditioned to hate themselves as if we're these lowly human beings, while at the same time, the, the, the cultural narrative is you got to believe in yourself. You got to have confidence in yourself and believe in yourself. And it's like... You can do it. You've got this. Yeah, this whole right? kind of nonsense. Here. It's like, well, you know, we've, we've been taught to worship ourselves, to idolize ourselves, to think that we're the ones who can make all things possible. We didn't create ourselves, you know? It's, it's, you know, Paul himself says, look, man, yeah, I boast. I boast in the Lord. Anything that I do, it's because of what he's facilitated me to do. I didn't take some major butt whoopings, man. I've sustained shipwrecks. I've been flogged five times. I've been rotted. You, you name it. It's happened to me. And the only reason why I can do it is because I can do all these things through Christ, you know, what he's done through me. Yep. I'm ready to fight, right? You knock me down. I'm going to stand back up. I'm going to keep on going. And I'm going to practice my civil disobedience. Right. So, you know, I mean, that's that would just be as a start of what I would I would respond with. Yeah. If you if you if you don't have a place to stand, then you have no way of knowing that you're being nudged. Right. Mm. I mean, if you're if you if you don't know where you are, then how can you tell when you're being pushed in a certain direction? For example, people often think that uh, that wind affects uh, airplanes. It, it affects the airplane's path over the ground. But the airplane doesn't care what the air is doing. Mm. If the if the air is moving 200 miles an hour behind you, the airplane's just adding 200 miles an hour. It only matters in reference to the ground. Mm -hmm. So yes, so first of all, a stance, not only not only a position, but but a location, right? This is what I believe. This is why I believe these things. And this is where I am. So why is somebody trying to push me over here? So that's that's the first step. The second step, you obviously much more versed in martial arts than I am, but I hear this from everybody. The second step in, in effective self-defense is if you can run, run. Right. If you can get away, walk away, talk away, buy a drink, whatever, whatever you can do, if you can get out of it without fighting, that's the next choice. So the problem with with the this psychological threat that we're facing is it is so pervasive. Right. It's everywhere. It is baked into into the movies, baked into TV, it's baked into the Internet. It's especially nowadays, especially baked into algorithms, algorithms that are designed to show you what you already believe and what they want you to see versus, you know, the ability to just walk down the street and, 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 and have some kind of sense of, you know, oh, that, that's, that's, that's just a crazy guy. But when you hear a crazy guy screaming at you from every outlet on the, on the planet, you know, 24 hours a day, you begin to doubt your own sanity. And that's, that's where step three comes in. But is there a way to run away from this, 
this onslaught because we know what the, we know what the threat is, right? Mm-hmm. It's the woke politics is 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 not the threat. The woke politics is is a a weapon. The threat is control by elites, and that's they're completely open about it. They just they the World Economic Forum. They have no bones about seeing this. We want an enormous reduction in the population. You won't own anything. You'll be happy. We want to own everything. So, so woke politics is just and 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 climate change and all the rest of it. It's a way to push people in the direction that they want them. And I don't personally see any way to avoid this fight. Exactly. There's no way to avoid it. And uh, and and we're not supposed to. I mean, when the, even when the Lord shows up, the Lord's like he 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 comes in. He says Kazak, right? Which means take courage. You got to be ready. You got to be ready to throw down, you know. Um, so, I mean, even when even when the Lord led uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, they were led out as slaves, but he calls them his divisions. You know, it's like this is this isn't just you're not slaves. You're in my army. You're my military. Right. So even for us as Christians, like the, the language is still, you know, pretty military. You know, I want you to put on your helmet, your breastplate. I want you to have your belt and your sword. I need you to be prepared to gird your loins. It's like this is how he speaks to us. And this, we're, we're supposed to be ready to fight. There are, um, you know, uh, suggestions of retreating, flee from the devil, you know, because you don't want to get caught up in his schemes and stuff like that. But that's, kind of what, that's kind of what got us into this trouble in the first place, though, isn't it? It is. It's like, it's Running like, away from these guys. Right. There's there are certain times when, you're, when you, you have to be able to know you know, when to, I guess, as, as I guess, you know, Sarah Palin would put it, uh, reload. It's, it's reloading, not retreating. Uh, mm-hmm. But overall, the Lord's like, I want you to take Canaan. I don't need you to keep running. I need you to take courage. Matter of fact, when, it, when, it, when scouts came back and were, were, were speaking this, um, you know, this cowardice language, God's like, yeah, I'm getting smoke snorting angry at you guys right now. And I'm about to have you all killed. You're getting on my nerves with your cowardice. Right. I need people who are ready to fight. Matter of fact, in uh, uh, one of the first listings, you know, of those who will not inherit the kingdom, the first word is cowards. Cowards will not inherit the kingdom. So it's this. This is something that the Lord is like very serious about. And you have to be able. But it's not like, OK, let's just go run into a fight. You know, you have to have a plan. You have right. to have a finesse, you know, for the battle and things like that. And you have to have, you know, guidance. It can't just be all like, all right, let's just go in guns blazing. And training, right? Training. That's what you we're, gotta, that's really what we're talking about. That's what I'm trying to get to here. You got to be trained okay, up. Okay, so yeah. now, that's right. So now phase three, right? So how do you fight back against this kind of thing? Um, the, the, a number of people who've looked at the mass psychosis events in history have all come to the conclusion that there is, in fact, one weapon that is really the most powerful, and it's probably not what you think. Um, Mark Twain wrote a series of uh, essays called uh, Letters from the Earth, and it was written from a devil back to um, Satan in hell. It's a devil on earth who's kind of scouting it out for Satan, basically, if I remember correctly. And so it's everything that goes on in the world from a demon's perspective in a report back to Satan. And Twain makes it so clear through the mouth of through the mouth of the enemy. He says, "Fortunately for us, these humans don't have any idea of the power of the main weapon they yield, which is ridicule. Against the onslaught of humor, nothing can stand." He said, "Right, and the reason that ridicule is such a powerful weapon is because it has an offensive and a defensive capability." If you're able to laugh at something, it disarms your personal fear. It takes that 
Try the serious enough down, right? We're dealing with a bunch of it's a clown show. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's a clown show yeah. that's gaining traction, right? So, so the ridicule provides a kind of almost like an anesthetic, like almost like morphine for us for all these wounds that have us constantly just. Yeah. But much, much more importantly, ridicule is something that control freaks cannot handle. The people who want to control other people's lives, the people who are causing all this trouble throughout history, not just currently, right? Those people are so monomaniacal and so determined to gain power and pride and it's all me, 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 me. And when you're able to go, yeah, I know it's all about you and you're, you're just a, you're just a, you know, Bill Gates, you're just a kind of a, a wonky guy with a bad haircut, man. You know, you get billions of dollars and you, you can't go to supercuts for God's sakes. You know, you're, you're going to try and tell us what to do with our lives, you know, sis off, pister. Um, so, so, um, so that kind of thing is overwhelmingly powerful. And the yes. people who study it as psychologists agree on this. They agree that, that ridicule is, is the absolute answer. And, and there's some really recent historical precedents for this as well. Uh, Vaclav Havel, who, who led Czechoslovakia out of, um, out of communism and formed the Czech Republic and Slova Republic of Slovakia, obviously. He basically, he was a playwright. And he used very sophisticated satire and humor to nudge his fellow citizens and say, we, we both know what they're, what they're about, right? When you can laugh at people, then uh, when you can laugh at control freaks, because normal people can laugh at themselves. Being able to genuinely make a joke at your own expense is not only good for you and healthy, it's a sign that you're not nuts, um, which is why I never do that. Uh, but, but the reason the Soviet Union fell wasn't so much because of a technological lag is people stopped believing in it and they started laughing at it. Mm. And... And when that happens, then the tables can turn very, very quickly. Oh, definitely, man. It's, it's such a powerful tool. You know, um, comedy, music, you know, these, these are the things that the left has used, I mean, to the hilt uh, to do a lot of the damage that they've done. A lot of the, most of the damage that has been done because they're able to uh, forward, uh, go forward with these narratives. And that's one of the reasons why, Bill, though, I, I preface these things with the foundation of the work. Because even if you're gonna, one is gonna take that approach and we wanna go into uh, the arena of, of satirizing these people, uh, what can, what, a lot of what can end up happening is that we take it to the same level that they do. And then lo and behold, we're just like them and nobody can tell the difference. And we don't wanna yep. be those people. Because that's what's going on even with, 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 uh, in, in politics. You know, they, they, they start getting in there and, well, we got we to gotta take the same tactics they, they do. And before you know it, they're the same people, you know, uh, uh, going for like-minded goals, basically to keep their office. And that's why people can't tell them apart. And we want to be able to also uh, have a distinction. We want to have a distinction where it's like, look, this is the angle that they're coming from. It's just as effective. It's just as funny. But you know what? It doesn't have the same mean-spirited tone as, as, uh, uh, as these people do. And... Um, and it, it brings to mind, Bill, um, you know, it's one, it's a shame that there isn't more support for people who want to who want to take it to that level. I saw a, a tweet the other day, uh, a conservative put out. Why is it that these, you know, rappers always want to put like, you know, profanity and thuggery and stuff like that in their music? And I'm like, well, there are musicians out there 
you know, who are who are making music. Or he, actually, and he says, why aren't they, you know, rapping more for Christ and stuff like that? And I'm like, there's, well, I'm not a, a rap expert, but I do know that there are rappers out there who do uh, have Christian-themed rap. And I do know that there's musicians such as myself who fortify their lyrics with Christian mm -hmm. themes. Right, right. So while you're giving more attention to, I guess, make yourself look like you're more virtuous and more, you know, moral and stuff like that. You're cursing the darkness rather than lighting a candle. Is this an opportunity to make you look like a better person so you can, you know, talk about like gangster rap and stuff like that while you're giving them all this attention? Why don't you support the competition against it? You know, and it's the same thing mm -hmm. with comedians. We can go ahead and talk about these crappy things that comedians are saying and what they're doing and stuff like that and the entertainment that they're doing. But you know what? They're not going to stop doing that. And they're going to get fortified to do more of it. Why don't we support and cultivate a market against that show? Um, and if I could also say really, you know, quick, you know, Bill, it reminds me of when we used to work at PJTV and I'm like, you know, sometimes I would try to do skits and, mm -hmm. you know, the budget didn't exactly, you know, allow for that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're bringing in actors who are willing to willing to lend themselves to conservative media and put themselves out there against their unions. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not a union guy, but that's you know, a big that's a big risk. Right. It's a, a big, big risk. And it's and and there's it's like there's no recourse for them. There's no real incentive. It's like okay, well here's you know here's a little bit of money for you to do this. It's like, do you realize what you're asking me to do, right? And mm -hmm. for those going wanting a career in this, they're like, what's what's the incentive? There's no support for me. And if, if I if my career goes south, who's gonna have my back? There's there's no support system for this. There's no there's no recourse. There, what's what's my incentive? And really, it's not about the money. But I don't want to end up, you know, just unemployed and, and broke with a career that I've invested in, you know? Well, this is, this is an interesting thing to close on. Everybody knows that, that all of these woke politics and things like media matters that watch every word that we say and are looking for things they can take out of context or stitch together, all that stuff, it costs money. And, and George Soros has put, I want to say, I thought it was $14 billion, but I think it's actually more like $30 billion into this. Now, everybody hears that and they throw up their arms in dismay. But what's an interesting point about that is, why is it that one person has to fund this whole thing, mm. right? Why is it that one or two sources, you know, the Gates Foundation and all of these super rich, highly concentrated areas of wealth, why are they the ones funding this full court press? And what that tells me is the reason there's so few large, powerful players doing it is because most people don't want anything to do with this stuff, mm. right? There is no grassroots support. There is no widespread support for woke politics. All of the, There is financial support from big players into things like CNN and ABC News and all the rest of this stuff telling us that people want this. But just look at, at Disney's box office receipts or any box office receipts from 2022, for example, and you'll see people just don't want it. So, so we outnumber these swine by 10,000 to one, I would say, at least. And that brings me back to, um, to the thing that I started out with. And that is that the, that, that the main way to condition an animal, a mammal anyway, is through isolation and repetition. And that's why any outside stimuli has to be removed. You can't train a lion that's out there in, the, in, the, in, a, in a yard someplace with other lions, right? You can, you can eventually take a trained lion to other lions. You can't, you can't break a lion in the middle of other lions. Mm -hmm. 
And that's basically what we're trying to do here. And that's why we're still in the game, not just because of us, obviously, Daily Wire, all of these outlets, Jordan Peterson, all of them. What, what happens when people hear things like that is they say, okay, so I'm not nuts, right? I'm not nuts. Here, here's a guy who's just basically explained why I believe what I believe, and it's rational and it makes sense and it's and it's noble and it's good. And and therefore, I'm gonna stay where I'm standing now. I'm not just gonna you know get blown away because th this is the most important thing I can say about this, folks. Despair and resignation are not a byproduct of what's going on. That is the goal. Mm. That's the goal, right? The goal is not to is not to have you sign up for any of this stuff. The goal of the people that are launching this barrage against reality, common sense, freedom, all of that. Their goal is to make you think that things are so inevitable, so overwhelming, so that they are so invincible that you will simply go into the kind of despondency that people go into when they're afraid for a long time, when they're isolated, and when they're certain they're going to lose. People, there are reports of soldiers in combat situations of guys just simply standing there while people just walk up and shoot them. You know, they're, they're, they're checked out. They're gone. So next time you're feeling bad about all this stuff, which would probably be about 30 seconds from now, remember that that reaction, that emotional reaction, oh, well, that's, you know, that's this country's over. There's no, there's no way to turn it around now. I hear it all the time. I'm guilty of it myself sometimes. But understand that that is the that is the response that they are conditioning to you, you to they're ringing the bell and what they want is when they ring their bell they want you to just basically go, yeah because those kind of people don't fight back and when you realize how badly outnumbered they are and how crummy their ideas are and how much failure is packed into everything they do it's a freaking miracle they're still here these are all the high school student Student council weenies, you know, that are running the freest, most powerful country in the world. We have fast cars and we have hot women and loud guns and all the rest of it. They're, and these these weenies, these propeller heads are trying to tell us, you know, how to how to run our lives. I don't think so. No. So that's why we're in this game, not just the Virtue Signal, but BillWhittle.com. So everybody who you've heard of, Steve Crowder and Ben Shapiro and all of them are in the game is because we understand that that large numbers of people need to be able to hear, not, not just what they want to hear, they need to be able to hear the truth and recognize it as the truth so that they know they're not going crazy. And when that happens, then, then they don't move. Or if they have moved, they go back to where they were standing before. And that's what we're trying to do here. And we do that through basically a little tin cup, you know. It'd be nice if we had billions of dollars to do this. Our production values and our reach would go way up, but we don't. We've just got you. They've got George Soros. We've got you. So if you were a, uh, a member of the show, uh, a member of BillWhittle.com, rather, who made this show possible two years ago, we're very grateful for that. If you're somebody who's been watching the show for a long time and you're not a member and you can afford to be, and I understand times are tough out there now, I really do, then we'd love to have you go over to BillWhittle.com, click on that Become a Member button or make a one-time donation because um, we're not leaving this fight. We're not going until we win, and that's a promise. So... Uh, for Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. We'll see you next time right here on The Virtue Signal.